one, two, three. Mila Falls, you're very welcome along to the Brian and Kieran Warfield podcast, the ramblings of two Irish balladeers, featuring Brian Warfield of the fierce and mighty Wolf Tones and his son Kieran, that's me, of the band Catalpa and also of the bandwagon bus Dublin's only musical ballad tour on wheels. So sit back, relax, grab a tea, coffee, beer or wine or whatever takes your fancy as we go rambling through life's misty foggy dew, through stories, songs, history, politics, life on the road and just a general bit of crack. Hatching glass, this then I'd be a dandy old. 
My heckle ding dangle let go of me like a rat pokey I went me hard no Hey diddly dee let go of me or I leave your bros and torn no Peeler and the Goat from 1965, Fontana album by the Wolf Tones called The Foggy Jew. So welcome along to the eighth episode. My God, eight already. That's, uh, that's amazing. Yeah, Don't be long about going up. And The Peeler and the Goat, that great song. Yeah, it was. And um, originally um, we got that from my grandmother, um, Annie Cunningham, as she was born from... Sandy Mount in Dublin. Her father was a fisherman. And posh. Cheap- Sandy Mount's very posh. Was that just now? It wasn't posh back then, was it? <laughs> well, they had a posh house, I, I guess. <laughs> they had a number seven Tritonville Road there in, in Sandy Mount. Oh, that is very posh. Yeah, but uh, he was a fisherman and uh, he um, had two boats uh, running out of Sandy Mount. One was called the Primrose and the other one was called the Mary Ann. And the Mary Ann and the Primrose. And uh, so, yeah, he fished. Um, he fished, uh, I guess, there was. Uh, I don't know whether they were motorised or... They wouldn't have been motorised. Yeah. <laughs> but there might have been steam, I don't know. But you could probably make a good living out of fishing back then. You know, the, the seas weren't overfished and didn't have the EU boats coming in and all the Spanish trawlers coming in with their huge big nets and producing and just... But they didn't have to go far, I guess. Um, but you know, they made, it must have made a very, very good living because uh, they were quite wealthy, and um, you know he had a he had a large family, and uh, my grandmother was uh, one of the elder ones. But uh, no, she was she was about middle middle. I think there was seven or eight children. Yeah. But um, she was um, she she married a Cunningham then. She was uh, she was a born. Uh, Annie Bourne was her name, and uh, her father, for, peculiar enough, was Tommy Bourne. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they'd call him the Skipper Bourne, and a uh, well-known character around Sandy Mount, I guess, and uh, very successful in his, in his business. But uh, my gran, uh, she had a great collection of songs, and one of the songs she gave us was uh, The Peeler and the Goat. And she used to sing, and I always remember when we were kids, long before I took up music, she used to sing the bit, I heggledy giggle, let go of me leg, and I cook you with me heart and so. Diddly da. But it's a great line. Yeah, yeah. It is a great line. I used to love it as a kid. I think it probably attracts all kids to it, like, you know, because it is such a a great line. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I. You know, I can't remember seeing it uh, in in the book. I've seen The Peeler and the Goat, but different versions of it. But uh, that particular version we got uh, from Gran. And uh, I, I I remember it distinctly from when I was a child. But uh, the great song, and, uh, you know, we we were uh, um, brought down to Bancher for a concert at one stage in the early stage of our lives. And uh, to put on a concert down there because we had sung that song, The Bunch of Peelers. Yeah. When you were sick that time and I replaced you on stage for a, yeah, two gigs, yeah. I think one of the gigs was in Golden and Tipperary, which is not far from it. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, that was, um, yeah, yeah. Probably was. Bunch of... Um, it's between Care and Tipperary. Care and Tipperary Town. Yeah, yeah, place. yeah. But uh, the song was originally written by Darby Ryan from uh, yeah, yeah. Bancha in the 19th century, so it was a very early song. Yeah, it was. And you see, 
I guess the the peelers came in and uh, the police force, a new police force that was brought into Ireland and it was a kind of a militia. It really wasn't a police force. They were armed with carbines. They had the military set up. Uh, They lived in uh, military-type barracks. They weren't allowed to get married. Uh, They had to get permission. If they wanted to get married, they had to get permission to marry. Um, They lived a kind of a... a, um, in kind of remote areas uh, to keep the Irish down, you might say, and to keep... They figured it keep the rule of law, but the rule of law wasn't Ireland's rule of law. It was England's rule of law. And they were really assisting in the, in the uh, uh, subduing the, the Irish people. Yeah, Irish people didn't like them because they asked a lot more questions than the, the military. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did. And you see, because they were Irish, mainly Irish... Uh, they they knew the Irish psychics, so they they were able to, you know, they were more dangerous than uh, in, in a sort of um, a detective type way in detecting uh, people, but uh, they were brought in, you know, to uh, to keep uh, keep law in the estates that uh, you know the tenants might be rising up against uh, the landlords because of uh, evictions and everything else. They existed in evictions. They were there with their carbines, making sure that people were dumped out of their houses and uh, their houses were taken down and if there was any trouble, they dealt with it. So they were a nasty group of people. But, uh, you know, they people joined it because they uh, joined the force because it was a, a good way, a good living. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of the, you know, the better farmers were given their sons, uh, you know, to join the force. But really, it was collaborating with the with the uh, English authorities in subduing the Irish, and of course they got their name from Mister Peel, Mister Robert Peel. Um, you know the Irish for call for you know nicknames and everything else. When Peel brought in these uh, these group of people, they weren't uh, consolidated until nineteen thirty six, but uh, you know, and uh, he was he was the man that created them and. Uh, because he did, they they got the name of Peelers after Robert Peel, and then uh, Bobby's after his name, uh, which was Robert. So both na- both names, curricular names, uh, come from uh, Robert Peel, and they stuck, you know, and well, it stuck forever yeah, over, and ever. Over in England, they call them Bobbies, don't they? Still, they call them Bobbies. <laughs> That's the Irish influence. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think they call them Peelers over there. It's, it's only more up in this. No, I think up, it's more up, in up Ireland. Northern. The Peeler, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that song was first sung outside a church in 1830. Really? Yeah. yeah. By um, Darby, Darby Ryan. Darby Ryan, yeah and, yeah. and he lived for 76 years. Fair play to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a legend uh, around uh, the area, and that's for sure. He was, um, because of, like, there were still old guys that remembered him that we met, you yeah. know. But he died in eighteen fifty six. So yeah. to live to seventy six back then was a was a ripe old age, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, don't be saying that. <laughs> no, back then. <laughs> back then. <laughs> well, look at the raising the the look at the raise the uh, pension to seventy now. For, so yeah, yeah. Well, that's because they don't want to pay the poor old people. I know. Yeah. So I probably have five years of my life or six years of my life when I get retired. Anyway, um, so apparently down in Bansha now, they still do a reenactment of that uh, singing of the song. Oh, did they? The yeah, that's and great to hear, yeah. And there's a small little uh, festival that 
goes with it or yeah, yeah. I'm not sure but I'd, I'd like to I'd definitely like to go down and, and see it but it's, I think it's like a street play or something that that goes on in Bansha yeah yeah uh, it was kind of a song for its time you know um, a protest song of its day and you know the the peelers were hated by the Irish people and you know they were Irish Irish themselves most of them were Irish Catholic and uh, you had um, well the Irish Protestants were probably um, in the upper officer class, but uh, mainly the the lower class of uh, the, the Bobby or Peeler was, you know, Catholic, and they knew the situation. They were never allowed, funny enough, um, to uh, be stationed in their own area or in the area of their wives or families. So they had to be stationed in other parts of the countries, which, you know, they they couldn't let people off with anything and they could be more aggressive but they you know they 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 assisted evictions they helped the tithe proctors um collect the money for the tithes and uh you know the t- animals were taken away as payment and you know it was kind of rough times on the poor farmers of ireland and you know who were on the verge of starvation every year and uh so you can't say there were a force there to protect the Irish people. No, they definitely weren't a force to protect the Irish people. But do you think that they would have weren't allowed in their own uh, area, police in their own area or their wives' family area, for fear of um, repercussions against the families? I, I don't think. I think it was more a case of uh, you know they um, they might be lenient on some of the family members. Of course, it would have been. And uh, I think that was probably the reason that they were um, not allowed uh, to be stationed anywhere near their own hometown. And how did you feel about, uh, was it 200 years they were celebrating there a couple of years ago? Yeah, Charlie Flanagan tried to glorify the um, RIC. And, you know, he he forgot, I think he forgot that, uh, you know, that in the memory of the Irish people was this awful image of, uh, the RIC evicting people and, uh, you know, the black and tans coming around and ransacking Ireland and, you know, burning Balbriggan and the town of the city of Cork. You know, they were horrific people and, uh, you, know, I don't, I, you know, I don't think they should be remembered. They, I heard stories about, you know, this uh, policeman being killed here or that policeman being killed there. Well, you know... Um, it was never said that the policeman had killed somebody else in another area. It was kind of a one-sided effort. Um, I didn't like it, and uh, I went immediately <laughs> to to, uh, uh, to to get rid of that idea, and uh, it caught on, and we got the black and tans into number one in England. <laughs> we, got a, we got a number one in Australia, in Canada, and in Ireland, so there you go. That was uh, thanks to Charlie Flanagan. We got number one all over the world. <laughs> so, so you didn't get the call for a for a gig off him. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, what a stupid idea! You know, I couldn't believe this guy. You know, what's he at? And then he had a he had a he had a thing up. You know that uh, some black um, some some black are uh, it wasn't an RIC man, some kind of a black and tan guy or something. He was mentioning, and he was a, he tried to get in on the Black Lives Matter. That he was a he was a, this guy that had been murdered by the IRA or whatever was a black guy. That didn't matter. I don't think the color of his skin had anything to do with it, whether he was white. 
are black. It was, you know, they were enforcing a law and uh, subduing the Irish people. So why not? Uh, if, if, you know, if a white guy was target, so, you know, if he was wearing the uniform, he's still a target. The uniform that's hanging. The uniform that's <laughs> hanging in what's known as Father's Room. So, um, yeah, and remember, Sir Robert Peel, too, was um, he was prime minister during the famine. He was um, and one of the people that, uh, that you might say um, didn't do anything to save the Irish people. Uh, he was there in the first part of the famine, uh, 1846, and uh, whatever he, he did bring in Indian corn, which is maize, uh, into Ireland, 100,000 100, uh, pounds worth of uh, Indian corn uh, to alleviate uh, the, the loss of the potato crop. But sure, it, it couldn't have even, it wouldn't have been even minutely substitute to potato. And it was just uh, in the eyes of the world, it looked grand. But at least, he, you know, there was some some effort by him to to do something, you know. I think it was um, John Mitchell said that for every shipload of Indian corn that came into Ireland, there was twenty ships going out with Irish food. Yeah. So you know that that's the difference uh, between it. The, the Indian corn people couldn't even cook it; they didn't know what it was. Know, it yeah. was known as yellow, Ireland, didn't it? Yeah, it was it was Proper known as it. yellow brimstone, so that's what it did for their stomachs. Right. And in 1844, 294,000 tonnes of grain was shipped just from Leinster alone. And in 1845, 485,000 tonnes of, yeah. of, 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 uh, grain, of grain was shipped yeah. out of Leinster. Just Leinster alone, no, not counting um, Connacht or, or uh, Munster. Yeah, and you can you can imagine like uh, people, you know, during the famine, people watching all this food leave the country while they had none, and uh, and that's the sadness of it. To see the food leaving your country in cartloads of stuff and shiploads going out, and meanwhile the Irish people were left with none. I was watching a program last night. Um, uh, Simon Reeves does travel set to through the Americas. And he was down in Ecuador, and there's actually in parts of El Salvador and Ecuador there's a famine going on out there at the moment. The people, um, the corn is failing over there um, because of climate change, mm-hmm. and the people have nothing to eat. Like it's unbelievable, like the poverty that they're living in down there, and that's why so many of them are pushing north yeah, to yeah. try and get into America. So it's a bit like what. What ha- it's like looking at what happened in the famine times mm-hmm. where the men are all leaving to try and get to work across to, to make that journey. North, yeah, well, well, of course, like uh, America wasn't even uh, opened up properly then. Like the, they only knew the eastern states of America. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I think the Irish uh, pushed west and, uh, you know, to Chicago and further. And, you know, the, then they pushed over to uh, California during the gold rush and everything else like that. They became very successful in San Francisco and everywhere else. So, yeah, this, the Irish story is just a fascinating story. I've enjoyed reading the book, uh, and it, some of it, and it actually, just it does make you mad. Like you know, and I was reading about uh, like long before slave trade began, there was over three hundred thousand Irish people were slave slave traded to um, the Caribbean, yeah, the Caribbean, and. Uh, an Irishman 
in Bristol in the in the slave market in Bristol was worth five pounds sterling, and a black guy f- from Africa would would have been worth fifty. Yeah, fifty pound. So that shows you what the English thought of the Irish people, you know, as a as a commodity. Never mind as a as people. Yeah, and yeah, you'd wonder like. Um, there was, I think, you know, the, the, some of the some of the plantation owners um, interbred the 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 white Irish women with the that. blacks. Yeah, I've seen that too. And they, there's different it, names for them. Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, and they, the reason for that is because the people more money. Yeah, and uh, so like, uh, it's just a horrific story, isn't it? You know, when you think uh, the Irish, they never never had any moments of peace no. since the, the, the invaders came to our country. Yeah. And how we survived, you know, through all those years and all those tragedies and all those uh, conquests, reconquests, land confiscations, everything else. It's a bloody miracle that there's any of us left at all. Mm. <laughs> it really is. But the sad thing about it is that not a lot of British people know this story, you know, and I think there was a programme recently about the famine and a lot of them were horrified as to what had happened and, you know, what their, what the monarchy at that time had done to Ireland, like, you know, and they couldn't believe it, like, because they obviously don't get taught that in, in school or everything about the empire is glorious and great. Mm. And uh, so, you know, it is sad that, that they don't know that story, like, you know. And I don't think they'll ever get to know it uh, because, like, uh, you know, Eng- England likes to see itself as, a, you know, the civilizer of the world, and you know, we brought here the, you know, we brought, you know, civilization across the world. But, you know, I don't think the people they conquered regarded it as a no. civilization. No. And uh, like, if you walk around London, you see the how how beautiful the buildings are, and the you know everything. Well, well, that's another thing to to mention. Just that, um, you know, when. Um, during the famine times, the, all the woods of Ireland belonged to the monarchy. And during, during the, the famine in Ireland, the woods were locked down and the, uh, the, the money he got for selling the wood uh, was used to build a Trafalgar Square. Really? Yeah. No, so that's how, that. you, you know, not alone was Ireland starving. They were taking away wood to uh, glorify Trafalgar Square. Jeez. Where the Irish starved. Yeah. I always think of that when I go to Trafalgar Square. You know. It's <laughs> a long time since. Well, no, it's not that long, actually. Yeah. With the way time's gone at the moment, I'm, I'm not too sure where ending is. And the other thing that I bet the peel on the goat before we finish off on that is the recruiting sergeant is the same um, tune, is it? Am I just thinking that? <laughs> Yeah, they're very Probably is yeah. like that's one thing about I I think a lot of um Irish songs. I don't know which was the original well, uh, Bunch of Peters. Definitely the original, yeah, yeah. Maybe Warm Flanders, but yeah, it's the same bloody air. That was like um the Peeler and the Goat it was like the um the helicopter song of its day. It just went because it was so in vogue 
in the towns of Ireland. Topical, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it spread like wildfire. Yeah, so yeah. So every town that uh, a balladeer went had to sing, had to know the peeler and the goat. Peeler and the goat. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a bit like the, the helicopter song. It just went to, it went went gaga in a, in a, because of it being so topical of its time. I mean, that's typical of the tradition that we were in, is is that a, it's a living tradition and... Um, the ballad singer always told the story of the day, whatever the topical story was. And of course, uh, you know, like when we were around, uh, the helicopter came in, uh, the helicopter escape, and that became a great song, great hit, number one. Uh, it was the fastest selling record of all time in Ireland. And uh, it was number one in like three days. How long did it take you to write it? Uh, I, I went to a pub after... Um, after reading the story, we had to have a meeting in the office with uh, with Oliver Berry, and uh, we were all laughing. It was a Saturday morning, yeah. and we were laughing about the escape. Like it, the whole the whole of Ireland was laughing about it. You know, the story uh, was so so funny and so wonderful and so you know great escape. You yeah. know, in an uh. unusual way, and. Uh, I went, uh, I went. I went into a pub for lunch after that, and uh, sitting at the counter, with a bowl of soup or something, and maybe a pint beside it. And uh, I'd say definitely a pint beside <laughs> it. I wouldn't say maybe. <laughs> and uh, and uh, out came a bit of paper and a pen, and I wrote it down. Sang it that night in. Uh, sang it that night in in uh, Bundoran. All right. On Saturday night, and it went down a bomb. No, not a bomb. Went down great. <laughs> so you mean the whole band played it that night, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And uh, so then, you wrote it that day, and you played it that night. Played it that night. Yeah, yeah. And well, you you're saying to me that I write songs fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I I think I played it. You know, probably played it. You know, with the guitar at the time or yeah. whatever, and everyone joined in. And then we sang it again on Sunday. We recorded it on Monday night. The lads got very tired and they said, oh, I'm leaving here and that's it, I've had it. And so I was left to be on to sing. The, I sing all the choruses, we doubled up. <laughs> and uh, we waited around till six o'clock in the morning. We were looking for a helicopter sound and we got a helicopter sound around six in the morning. We packed our bags and went home. And uh, it was out on Wednesday and it was number one on Friday. Wow, my God. That's <laughs> and do you remember where you were playing in Bundoran? Uh, yes, we are playing in. Um, we are playing in what's the name? Was uh, one of the hotels. It was yeah. It was um, great Southern or one of those. Uh, a great guy too. What the hell was the name? Um, anyhow, it doesn't matter. I'm not no, going to. No, I'm not going to force my brain to remember all no, that no. music. Well. And do you remember where the pub you had the sandwich and the pint and wrote the book? <laughs> <laughs> it must have been near Parnell Square, wasn't that where Oliver's? Yeah, it was, it was down Parnell Street there, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. I, th- I, I think, it was, um, I know it was a kind of a ballot pub at the time, I used to go in all the time, the Parnell House. Yeah, I was just yeah. going to say that, because when you were playing in the Ambassador one time, we went in for a pint and there, you said I used to come in here for pints. Yeah, we yeah, the, the, yeah, the Parnell House yeah. was, yeah. yeah. Very good. Well, then were the days, yeah. I guess, yeah. And that was your first number one. What? That was your first number one. That was our first number one record, yeah. We'd we'd been hitting the charts with, um, you know, with sort of lower numbers, but uh, you know that that just took off, 
and it was the only number one that the, that RT didn't play. Mm. Uh, like, I remember Larry Gogan used to do the top ten years ago. Number one, 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 one. Number one this week is the Wolf Tones. <laughs> <laughs> but what silence? <laughs> but did that help sales? Because you know when normally when something was banned, like the Life of Brian or whatever, or Frankie goes to Hollywood, relax. It helped the sales of something, you know, just because it makes people want it. Yeah, well, it was already selling huge. Um, uh, So, like, it probably probably brought more highlights to it. Uh, I know it it sort of reached the the papers, uh, front page of one of the papers, Herald or Press, I don't know which. So it it was the talk of the town, the talk of the country at the time. And, you know, having something typically... uh, 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 popular at the time and uh, on the world I have to to say that everybody everybody knew about it like it wasn't like you know so it was on the tip of everybody's tongue and that's why people went out and bought it they thought it was great fun yeah that's a great song yeah yeah yeah. and and funny enough um, I think it was the Fianna Fianna Gael government at the time was in and uh, what's what's his, his name Dowling um, he he was one of the TDs there, and he was he was a he was the minister for justice, and uh, I I think I haven't mentioned in song. Yeah, yeah. minister <laughs> and, for justice was and, soaking up the sun, <laughs> and uh, the drinking gin and brandy and all that. They didn't like it at all. No, I wouldn't imagine. Yeah, so. yeah they didn't yeah. like it at all. But you didn't care. You had a number one in your back pocket. I, I didn't care. Like it was the truth. Anyhow, who cares? Yeah. Let the people know. Let the people sing. Yeah. And I was, I was looking at yesterday. There was a poll there. Fianna Fáil have dropped to eleven percent in the polls. Like that's like when I was a kid. I remember Fianna Fáil were just a massive. Oh yeah, party. yeah. She she like eleven percent. I mean, some of the lesser known parties were that more than that. Yeah. Um, it's incredible to see a fall of a party like that. But I think, like, they've lost my vote since they went in with Fina Gale. Like, I just will never vote for, like, I, I, I know, like, from from my area anyway, I always vote for Sean Crow, uh, for Sinn Féin. Not because Sinn Féin, but because he does a lot for the area. And I base my vote on that. And um, I, on the last election, I gave... Fianna Fáil number two and whatever you know because I thought oh, well, they were always our, our party because you always voted for them but now after the, what they did in the last election you know with joining up with Leo and that and to get into government to make a government I would never vote for them again yeah. <laughs> well I mean the Covid thing and everything else and the, the way the vaccines are rolled out in this country has everybody you know, I can't see them getting ever in again. I can't see them building up ever again. I think uh, the next uh, government is going to be a Sinn Féin government. That's the way I see it. I don't need to run enough uh, I, candidates. Yeah, I think yeah. The, the, the the people, you know, will have seen now and uh, they need to change. Uh, but that's the way it goes, you know. Change happens and uh, for many, many reasons and we accept whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, we'll have another three years of <laughs> two other two Egypts. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I won't mention it. But anyhow, yeah, it, it is. When you have an unpopular government, it's terrible, to, you know, that you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, you don't see. I mean, I have to say for some of the things uh, that happened in Ireland where, 
you know, were pretty good. I mean, not all not all politicians are bad. I, some of that uh, last uh, last uh, Fianna Fáil government were good, but you know they made terrible. They put us all into huge debt. You know, at the end of the day, and uh, they won't be remembered for any kind of kindness through from history. No. Um, so that's the fact of it. Uh, but you know, um, you know, we we have a new. We'll have a new uh, gang coming in very very shortly. I think. Yeah. You know, I can't see it. I can't see the popularity of uh, of Michal Martin coming up for the next election because uh, people are mad at him the way he dro- rolled out the. Um, uh, the way he handled the whole COVID uh, situation. It's so, been very poor. You know, yeah. Like from my point of view, I think it's been very poor in the way yeah. the way it's been managed. Um, but uh, I suppose I'm not. Yeah, I, I seem to ask you this uh, every week. But is has anyone contacted you about getting a job? <laughs> no. Jab yet? No, I'm still waiting. Uh, they're, they're doing all the old folks at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> no, but just with your underlying issues, you would expect that you would be. Hired yeah, well, this. I was expecting the call. I haven't got it yet. Um, my age group will come up in about a week's time, I think, and they'll start rolling out the, the over 70s. So, um, yeah, I look forward to getting it. Of course I do. Um, you know, the lock-up thing has been terrible, you know. Um, I'm out in the garden every day for a bit of air, but, you know, you get fed up with that too. <laughs> There's only so much gardening <laughs> you can do. <laughs> you get fed up with it too. It's, it's just, you know. I Myself and Katrina are on... 88 day of walking since we've walked every day since uh new year's day really yeah, yeah. 5k every day 5k every day well that's yeah. pretty good yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. we we're doing 100 days we'll probably do more because it's just become part yeah, of yeah yeah you know just keep there well i think everybody should try and get out and uh, keep fit you yeah. know because like it does cheer you up to get out there hear the birds singing see the daffodils you know and mm. This little spring there around, it's nice. And then, of course, we had the wonderful match during the week. Oh, my God, <laughs> will we ever forget it? Well, the two matches, I suppose, if you talk about the Serbia one first, like the Serbia one sort of gave you hope. It was like they dangled a little carrot in front of you and you were gone. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Because you saw, you, 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 I felt like I was seeing green shoots, you know, and I thought, oh, we're making strides here. These young lads are going to come good. Yeah, yeah. And then we got this Saturday in Luxembourg. Terrible, yeah. And I remember 87, I said this to you the other day, we went to Lansdowne Road, myself, yourself, and Granda Mick from London. Mm. And uh, that morning we went in, we actually, no, that afternoon we went in and you could buy your ticket in uh, Elvery's on Suffolk Street. That's we right, went, yeah. And we went in, we bought our three tickets in Elvery's on Suffolk Street. Yeah. And I think we went down to O'Donoghue's or somewhere down that direction. or might have been the Bagged Inn or somewhere down there and had a couple of pints down there and went into the game. And Luxembourg went 1-0 up. And Grand Mick was slagging the two of us because there was nobody in the ground. Like there was, I'd say there was 26,000 maybe, you know, in, in the old lands down the road, like the yeah, terraces, yeah, yeah. terraces were full, but they were, the the east stand and the west stand had, had nobody like we could we could have picked our seats in the west stand we were in the west stand very posh and uh, you must have paid for them because <laughs> <laughs> I'd normally be on the schoolboy <laughs> and the south terrace and uh, the 
I think it was a late goal. Stapleton scored first, I think, with a header. And then we had a corner and Paul McGrath hit a volley and uh, we won the game 2-1. And that was a brutal game. And I, I said, I can't, it can't get any worse than that. But it did on Saturday. <laughs> so Luxembourg is a kind of a, a, a bad omen for the Irish side. Yeah, someone said, I can't believe we got beaten by a radio station. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, yeah. Radio Luxembourg. Didn't it, didn't yeah. it, didn't, what, it was a pirate station, wasn't it? Called no, Radio no, it was, it was a commercial station. Oh, was and it? it was legit. Was it? Okay. Yeah, it was legit. But they, what they did was they had these commercial stations like Luxembourg. And, they, you know, it was really run by the English, uh, an English consortium or whatever. Yeah. And they, they just pushed out commercial music all over the place. It was a great. When we were kids, like, that was a choice of... Luxembourg, Radio Air and BBC, whatever. Mm. And that was one of the, you know, the choices that I played pop music at the time. And uh, it, we always gave her a listen. It was never on all the time. It was mostly RTE would be on mostly. Yeah. I remember we had a big, huge radio in Lucan. Big brown thing, you know, which had all the radio stations on it on the glass front. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you could see like it was radio, like Moscow and all these. On yeah, this, that's know, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I do. It just flash back into my head there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we well, had huge, the, big tubes and stuff in the back. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a wonderful stereo unit yeah. in it. It was. Uh, oh no, it was, I'd say of its time, it was. Yeah, like, yeah. It was yeah. fabulous uh, sound off it. Um, yeah. But when we were kids, uh, I always remember my grandmother. She gave us a big radio, which was. You know, bigger than televisions in today's, and uh, that was you know that was the radio that we had uh, down in the South Circular Road in the flat, and uh, yeah, it was a huge thing altogether. And I always remember my father would be twiddling at the knobs and be going through. And eventually, he'd end up with something or whatever, and we'd be in bed at night, and he'd be. He'd be going through the stage trying to find something or just messing around. Long wave or short wave. Or <laughs> <laughs> I used to love that because I think I got one off Santa one time, you know, a nice uh, stereo with long wave and short wave on it. And if you found some really most obscure yeah. foreign station, you'd yeah, be delighted with yourself. Like Great stuff, yeah, yeah. Uh, how easily we were pleased then. That, those were the days of radio. Should yeah. we, did, we never saw television until it was about, what, 1960. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah, it was, like, lots of people had television. We used to go down to my auntie's house to watch television. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, it was kind of a a new thing. I, I always remember going down to the pictures in, uh, in the Inchicore Cinema, and we were going down the road, and anyhow, and there was a big house across the Kamak, across the valley, and it had this big mast up with this thing up, huge big mass and I said to one of the bigger fellas at the time probably only about nine or something and I said what's that big mass up there for he says that's television I said what that's television he said he said you know when you listen to the news on the radio instead of listening to the news you can watch what's happening I said you're joking me no way no way you can actually see the pictures of the man talking and everything yeah, yeah, I couldn't believe it. Wow. So there you go, that was television, and we didn't see it till 1960. That old, well, in our house. That old cinema, 
down in Inchicore. Is that where Tesco is now down there? Was no, that? it's it, it's flat still. I don't know what's underneath at the bottom. Yeah, I think Tesco might be. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I know there's flats over it. Um, but I was seeing Chicor Cinema and... Uh, what was it called? It, it was called The Core. We used oh, to call it The Core, yeah. yeah. But um, the you could get in there for two jam chairs. What <laughs> was two jam chairs? <laughs> well, the, you know, Lamb's Jam Factory was in Bluebell there. Oh, and, right. and uh, you see, for a jam jar, you had... If it was a pound jam jar, you'd get a penny. And if it was a half pound jam jar, you got a halfpenny. Right. So it was two percent to the woodeners, and so you could get into the wooden seats for two jam jars, two pence. <laughs> and they had wooden seats, like like benches, were they? <laughs> they were like benches in the front. Yeah, yeah. I'd say you're And then the, the they were at the very front, so your neck was nearly broken looking up at the screen. You had, you had to bend down to look up, and everything. <laughs> what was your favorite movie as a kid? Uh, well, Oddie Murphy was outside. He had his horse packed outside the Inchicore Cinema there all the time. Oddie uh, Murphy? The, the actor? <laughs> actor, yeah. <laughs> In those movies. Uh, of course, we had... Uh, yeah, you know, I always remember, like, if... Um, when we were at the matinee, the kids on a Saturday, whatever, if a love scene came up, everybody started talking, like, blah, 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 here are the kids. <laughs> and when the accent stopped, everybody would be real quiet. There wouldn't be a, a word spoken, but when the love scene, you know, blah, 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 where'd you go now? Blah, 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 blah. Be all that ruffle of talk. Yeah. We, did, we didn't like the love scenes. We wanted action. Yeah. And was there much smoking in the cinema? No, n- n- not in the Batonese, no, no, no. But um, if you went there at night, everybody, everybody was smoking. smoking. Yeah, yeah. I, remember that, I remember that when I was... A, yeah, you know, like this, people be smoking in the cinema. Oh, for God's yeah. sake! Because it'd be yeah. clouded, clouded smoke. Yeah. So, like for me as a kid, the movie that I remember most would have been Star Wars. Like you know, so you must have had a movie that stands out. That was, I'd say, either Star Wars or Jaws. I remember Jaws frightened the shite out of me as a kid. <laughs> Jerry Murray and and. Uh, Walsh brought it to me and Siobhan, I think, to Adelphi to see it. Yeah, yeah. And I wouldn't go in. Actually, it might have been the Savoy. Mm. I wouldn't go in because I heard everybody roaring when the, because the previous movie wasn't over, you know, the previous mm. show wasn't over, and I was like, I'm not going in there. <laughs> no. Yeah, well, what, what would be, yeah, I think, you know, there were a couple of movies that um, stuck out in my mind. One was The Quiet Man. I liked, I, I liked that. Um, the other one was I remember uh, the longest day was one oh, that's big a great movie, yeah. yeah yeah big kind of a blockbuster thing mm. uh, the dam busters was another blockbuster mm. thing the bridge over the river Kwai. Um you know the, then the, the musicals I always remember my mother brought me down because uh, she wanted to see this movie and my father wouldn't go with her forever he didn't mm. like the movie forever and it was um one of these musical things, uh, what was it? I uh, um, can't remember the thing now, but mm. it was all in the desert. The, the desert song, that's what it was, the desert Never song. Heard of it. And uh, like, uh, I think whenever, whenever uh, my father wouldn't go, I was brought it up <laughs> <laughs> to be bored <laughs> by an awful movie. Oh, well, well, they thought it was great, you know. But I, I love singing in the rain. I, t- t- I still love that movie. Yeah. And the funny thing about it is, um, 
I did meet uh, Donald O'Connor. We, we played at his show. Yeah, you were saying that. Yeah. yeah, I met him. So eventually, like, I met someone who I loved going to the movie. And he used to do uh, the talk and horse thing, you know. Um, it wasn't the one that was done on television, but uh, Donald O'Connor used to do it. And I loved the guy. I thought he was a fantastic uh I'm writing character. that down now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check that out on YouTube when I go home. <laughs> the, the Everybody t- there, check the, it out. The talking. <laughs> the talking horse. Horse. Yeah, yeah, the talking horse. Donald O'Connor. Donald O'Connor, yeah. He was famous. Uh, like, uh, it, it, he was famous for that role. And uh, not alone that role, but he... he, he he was a wonderful character actor, and he, uh, of course, loved his Irish background. And he was great with Gene Kelly in, uh, in, uh, in singing in the rain. Yeah, I've never watched singing it. in the rain. I just loved it. I've never watched it. Did you know? I've never. Ever I, I love the spot where he runs up the wall and back down. He's I've just, seen that obviously. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Up, but I've never actually sat down and watched and, it. And and the, the storyline is quite nice. You know, it's a story about. Um, the silent movies are over mm. and the the big stars don't know whether they're going to, you know, go into the talking and, you know, and this big star, woman star, she, she has they don't want her in the movie. Of course, Debbie Reynolds there comes, she, she does the background. She's talking for the, for the actress behind the screen. <laughs> so it's, it, I, I got a great laugh here with that. Easter weekend coming up. I might give it a look just to. Yeah, it but it's worth the while. I I love that movie. It's a great movie, but I did like I I did like uh, I did like musicals, and uh, you know some of them are some of them are too adult for me. But uh, mm. you know the, the 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 lighter ones I I enjoyed. The one I remember as a kid was Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Chitty Chitty Bang. Yeah, that yeah. you know that was a good one. Too. And I remember the first time. At the end of that movie, in the credits, there was a Warfield mentioned, and we were all fascinated to see a Warfield mentioned in the because we obviously we only knew the Warfield family in Ireland, like you know. So there's, we're not the only Warfields. Yeah. <laughs> there's well, someone else in the movies. Well, that's what we thought, you know. It was just there's look, there's our name. There's your name there. Yeah. I remember there was a, and and uh, the guy who sang not Paul Robeson, but the guy who sang in the movie um, Old Man River. And his name was Warfield. He's a black guy now, but mm. uh, I don't think he was a relative, but uh, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, and uh, then there's the Warfield Theatre in, in America, isn't there? Yeah, well, funny enough, the Warfields, uh, you know, a lot of Warfields in America, and we, they, some of them over the years got in touch with us as we went around. Yeah. Um, Baltimore was a big spot for the Warfields. They owned the, the First Bank of Baltimore, yeah. And they also owned um the Baltimore Orioles. The the oh, right. yeah. And um I we had we had uh, the families uh, came to came to us at various times, some of them in Connecticut, some of them in New York and uh, uh Philadelphia. And um, you know, they were related to Wallace Warfield. Wallace Warfield was uh you know Wallace Simpson, that yeah. Mar- King that Edward abdicated. King Edward yeah. abdicated yeah. for. He fell in love with a Warfield, but uh, she mar- she her maiden name was Warfield. She married uh, Simpson, uh, Colonel Simpson, wherever he was, and uh, then she. Uh, I don't know how she fell in love, or he fell in love with her, 
But he, he obviously was besotted by her and uh, he gave up everything for her. And, uh, you know, that's like, the war fields, watch you out. bit like <laughs> Harry now, <but> Megan. <laughs> <laughs> but they never mention, uh, you know, when they talk about Wallace Simpson, they never mention anything about her name being Warfield. I very, very rarely hear yeah. that. They always say Mrs. Simpson, you know? Yeah. I think that's to bring home that she's a, she was a married she's woman. She's a married woman, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we're nearly at 48 minutes now, so um, unless you want to tell me about your week <laughs> in the garden. My, my week has been the same as every other week. And Oh, uh, actually, do you know what? What are we going to do for Easter? Easter is coming up on, well, today we're Monday the 29th and Easter's Good Friday and Friday, and it's your birthday. Yeah. So we might do something on Friday. Uh, yeah, we do something live or whatever. We'll, yeah. tr- we'll think of something. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, we are going to put ourselves on Patreon, uh, <clears throat> where you can get extra content. And uh, if you want to sign up to that, uh, we'll give you more details on it. And also, I want to give a big shout out because we've now hit, I think, 29 countries and the new countries that we've been listening to is Brazil, Poland, France, Austria, Holland, Jamaica and Switzerland. So big shout out to all our friends over there that are listening and I hope you keep listening. Yeah, keep listening there. And it's amazing that uh, it's a small world now and uh, it's great to have uh, people all over the world having a listen in. Absolutely. So um, next episode, Dad, I don't have my book with me. I forgot it, but I have it written down. But I think it's the sash. <laughs> oh, it was old and it. <laughs> so uh, we'll definitely have a lot to talk about with that one. <laughs> uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I look forward to that now. Yeah, that's if I'm right now. I could be wrong. I'm well known to be wrong. Well, it's coming up soon, anyway. <laughs> All right, so we'd say goodbye for now, and thanks Bye. again for listening. And uh, we will. Uh, if don't forget to pass if you if you like what you heard pass us on to your friends or family and uh, we try and get our listenership up and keep it going keep it going higher alright thanks again for listening so it's goodbye from me and goodbye for me <laughs> Slan. <laughs>